um, but yeah, well, that's for me. Mm, okay, cool. Thank you for your time. Nice pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to have a chat with you, Barry, because of the state the world is. Mm. It's a bit of a shit show. Mm. Now, and from what you do, before COVID to now, mm. globally, mental health wise, what's changed? Hmm. Yeah, actually, a lot has changed. I mean, um, I'd say a good collection of um, you know depressions and difficulties and anxieties and difficulties in relationships um, before COVID. Yeah, and it was pretty much evened out around lots of little clinical mm. disorders. Now, now we're seeing um, lots of anxiety, lots of depression, um, much much higher levels, and then a malaise, like a sense of not being able to move anywhere or feeling stuck. Not like the brain fog thing. Yeah, it's like a brain fog, but it's almost um, encompasses the body. It can encompass the family. Um, what does that look like? So, so people are just lethargic. Oh yeah, yeah, like you fatigue. Know, yeah, so it's so it's a sense of fatigue, but a sense of fatigue around trying to find stimulation. So um, they can't really think of what's next in their lives. They can't really think of what yeah. they're planning in their lives. The thing that they do plan for are these sort of bursts of excitement. So let's see if we can go overseas because we couldn't do that. This is post-COVID now. This is post-COVID. Yeah. Let's see if we can, um, you know, go down to the sea. Let's see if we'll go on this holiday. Mm. And they come back and it hasn't necessarily made that much difference to their lives. I mean, it does feel to me that sure. that most people ha haven't really adapted to what has happened around um, COVID at no. all and the lockdowns and that this is a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And we were so used to watching epidemics and we'd watch them happen in various countries and maybe they would slip across the borders. It's always and there. Yes, it's always there. And at the <laughs> beginning of the, of the pandemic, um, I did notice with my international clients starting to hear it coming closer to their country, for mm -hmm. instance. And then, um, well, generally we looked, we heard this thing going on in China. Yes. And people sort of raised their head and thought, oh, is this another swine flu? Is this something real? Yeah, people yeah. didn't really notice yeah. that. And, um, and then it started shifting and then it hit Italy. And of course, Italy was the big red light, yeah. I think, for most people. And I started to hear from clients lots of anxiety. Is it going to come here? What, are, what is the government doing about it? What are people doing about it? What's going to happen? All the questions. Yeah, it's all the just... questions. And we noticed generally that governments were caught on the back foot. Um, and still by the look of yes, it. <laughs> yeah, and that they didn't really seem to know um, what their response should be. Yeah, um, and then it started to hit spaces and um, clients of mine that are doctors and that are in the medical profession, they started to take quite a lot of strain overseas, and mm -hmm. they, um, you know, they were kind of uh, also very anxious that resources weren't being thrown their way adequately. Um, we still didn't really know what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that mystery um, and the unknown is mm. a very anxious space yeah. for human beings. Luckily, it gave South Africa quite a lot of time to prepare because I guess, although South Africa feels like we're a special kind of nation and nobody, <laughs> it's, it wasn't going to reach here, yeah. um, you know, obviously, obviously it did. Yeah. Um, but I think we, we were one of the countries where I think most citizens seem to feel the government um, initially you know, gave an adequate response. Mm -hmm. 
um, and kind of prepared and gave hard lockdowns and obviously we never expected the lockdown to last as long as it did yeah um, and so I think you know this whole South African yes idea you yeah. know that we've got and we're very good at that sure like sure. we're very good at yes we're very good at yeah, yeah. you know rallying and getting things together and starting to act you know like a nation but I think for once what it had done to people in the world is it had un- united people around a common enemy um, and it's quite a frightening enemy um, for human beings psychologically because, why because they can't define it well yeah because it's nature so we're used to being able to control things, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, even with tsunamis, we've got um, tsunami warnings on beaches now, and we've got boys out in the deep ocean yeah. that you pick up. Sense the earthquake. Yeah, happen, yeah, they pick up the earthquakes. They, we get tsunami warnings. Um, you know, we get tornado warnings yeah. across the world. We get hurricane warnings. We get, um, and and also some of those things are quite localized. Yes. So, but I think you know. Almost archetypally, what has been really difficult for human beings is to deal with the rawness of nature that they can't actually control. Mm-hmm. This is like the fundamental part of who yeah. we are. And we've thought almost egoically that we've got above it. You know, our yeah. medicine's quite good. And, you know, people don't, you know, it's just a time before medicine solves absolutely everything. Sure. And so, you know, we don't really have to worry too much about a whole lot of diseases yeah. being cured. You know, AIDS has been pretty much under control. Um, and every now and again, we'd get these kind of breakouts and often, particularly in Africa, of hemorrhagic like, fevers. Like Ebola, but Ebola, it's gone yeah. in two months. Nobody, yeah, cares, nobody cares about it. Um, but I think this, this nature that we, that we can't get control over, that we mm. can't seem to get our heads around, and it's a big mystery for us. Yeah. I mean, that, is, that I think, um, delivered a, a frightening blow to yeah. human beings, particularly when we saw people dying. And not only were we not sure exactly what was killing them, but we were also not sure um, how to sustain or treat yeah. them once they became infected. And protocols were still developing. And so everything was a mystery. Everything was to be feared, yeah. you know, including other human beings. Sure. Um, so... Uh, and little bit by little bit, I think, in the back of our minds, and I think this is why we de- we're battling to deal with things at the moment, is this was a proper extinction event. Yeah. You know, we, at some stages, I guess, <coughs> we didn't know how many human beings were going to come out of this. Yeah. And if we were going to be able to develop vaccines in time, or what was the appropriate response yeah. for scientists. Yeah. Um, and was yeah. It Bill Gates... I think before this, it was just starting to bubble in Wuhan. Yeah. And he came and he went on the record and said, 15 million people will die guaranteed at a minimum. Yeah. I, I'm not sure where the total is now. I think it's about 10 Yeah, something like that, yeah. But is it fair to say this thing put us all in touch with our kind of, we're mortal? Yeah. Because and I'm that, looking at the news, there's like yeah. variant and death yeah. and vaccine. Yeah. And no, exactly. Like, no, definitely the mortality. And that was, you know, the I think our ego, and particularly our Western ego, mm. is, you know, that everything is... We can deal with it. We are masters of the universe. Yeah, we can actually deal with it. And so, so the ego was really taken, take, took a nasty punch around something that we didn't understand, something around our own mortality. Um, you know, a lot of medicine has moved to longevity now to yeah, yeah. increase our longevity. So for, um, you know, generations that aren't geriatrics mm-hmm. at the moment, um, you know, almost there's a feeling like we could 
live forever or we sure. could live at least a lot longer than up until 2020 yeah 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 <laughs> so for this to come and say there's something unknown yeah. and it's um and it, it's coming out of nature and it's so interesting for me that you know it was this idea that it came from uh you know jumped species it jumped mm -hmm. Because again, here's something that we don't understand. We don't understand how it functions. Uncertainty. And most people, yeah, exactly. And most people don't don't really understand molecular biology. No. So, so this was quite magic. And it's almost as if the gods were coming and threatening them. Mm. And there's not a lot that human beings sure. can do against the gods. No, sure. Um, and then a couple of things started to happen. So for a moment, it felt to, to me that the world was united in trying to deal with nature. <laughs> Sure. trying to understand its relationship with nature obviously in the back burners we've got climate change mm. and this felt to me psychologically a preamble yeah. for what's going to happen around climate change yeah. but I, I noticed that some people made the connection and some people didn't make the connection mm. psychologically but there's a nat another natural force that we are going to have to deal with but it's almost as if the pandemic brought some of that forward Yeah, um, realizing actually as a uh, as a world we uh, of human beings we better mm. you know get on board um and then we started to see a couple of things at just for a moment as the world got together we started to see things that humans do very well and yeah. the first one was denial was denial denial yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so so human beings okay no well <laughs> this isn't as bad as it looks you know the media is blowing it out of all proportion yeah um it actually doesn't exist you know, which is sure, another response. Yeah, conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. Whatever yeah. that thing was. Yeah. Yes, yeah. You know, so it doesn't exist. Um, and then there was another good thing that we do, and which is rationalization, um, which is actually, you know, this is really bad, yeah. but it's not as bad as it seems. Um, we will be able to fix it. We, you know, if we just follow the rules, everything's going to be fine. And then the big ration rationalization, we're going to go back to where things were. Are we ever going to get there? Yes. Now, that's the big psychological, that's the big psychological question. Because it feels to me that this encounter with nature, um, where that locked us down, that isolated <coughs> us, it, it asked for us to stay safe from nature. It asked for us to become non-human. It's a disconnect from what we're supposed to be. Yeah. So we're supposed to be antisocial now. We're supposed to cover up. We're supposed to not touch, greet each other, um, engage, kiss, um, uh, be with friends and family, go to work. Um, so, so this engagement with nature almost really attacked us fundamentally mm. at, at the point of who we are. Um, and I think we're still reeling from that. I don't think we are through it at all. Um, I think we haven't really understood our mortality. Sure. We haven't understood that this was a call to evolution, perhaps psychologically. Mm -hmm. um, it, there's so, so I mean, just on the, yeah. the this change of the way it's going to be back to normal. So there's been a couple, and I don't know if this is pop psychology or if it's real, mm. but people compared some of this to the Holocaust from a mindset point of view, yeah. where they call it mass psychosis or something like yes, that, yeah. where you do things, you isolate people, you take away their general yeah. right, yeah. like for example, okay, stay yeah. in your house, yeah. take away, you can't go to gym, you can't go to mm. school, whatever, mm. um, and then you, f you feed the free-floating anxiety, which the media does yes. very, very yes. well, yeah. and then you offer a singular solution. Mm. Get a vaccine. Yeah. A vaccine is not a solution. It's, it's, no, it's, it's a, but is that real? Because people spoke mm. about 
and this is just in, in, mm. so, in general, mm. not even social, general mm. media, where they said that it's almost like a hypnotic effect that the global mm. population was under, mm. including the leaders. Yeah. And then at some stage, we're starting to come out of it now. Mm. Some people are, some people aren't. Yeah. And some of the leaders are still, but then when, when you get given power, you don't give it back easily. Yeah. So where, where are we? Is that at yeah. real? Is it a real thing? The hypnosis effect? Yes. I mean, I do think um, there was almost like a, a world psychosis in the sense that, um, or world neurosis, where we did. What would the difference be? Yeah. So, so the psychosis is a little bit, we're so delusional, we almost don't know what's going on. The All psychosis right. is um, we are panicky and don't know whether we should run forward or backward. So it does feel to me the world became quite neurotic. So, so first of all, around its denial, around mm. its rationalization, and then around distrust. And that's oh. always a big... So we started to see dichotomies form within nations. Mm. Those that felt the government was doing a good job, those that felt the government wasn't. Those that felt we should be in lockdown, those that felt that we should But it was incredibly polarized. Yes, very, There's very no polarized. In between, yeah. No, not, not a lot of in, in between. And so, so from for one moment, this world that was fighting, that was dealing with this overwhelming sense of nature, um, started to become very fragmented and dichotomized, and um, and it's and it really started to break into this space of us and them, and and actually a very dangerous space psychologically for human beings. Would would us be us as um, let's talk South Africa, us as the population versus the leaders, or would it be, for example, in Florida versus California. You yeah. don't wear a mask, do wear a Yes, I mean, I think, anyway. I think everything. So we found populace against leaders, yeah. leaders with against leaders, um, populace against populace. Mm. Um, and a lot of it was, had moved from let's engage, let's be curious about what's going on, let's investigate what's going on, let's lean into this, mm. to how do I keep myself safe how do I be the one that survives? So we started to mm. see from a very empathetic um, response that people in the world are dying, people around sure. me might die. I definitely don't want to die, but I also don't, if I've got it, I don't want to pass it on to others. Mm. And so for a moment there was this empathetic re response and then it was a very callous response of uh, almost like quite a narcissistic response of me, I what what is the belief yeah. system that's going to keep me safe yeah and so then we started to f fragment into various kind of neuroses mm -hmm. and belief systems that it felt okay this is the thing this is the silver bullet yeah you know and for some people the silver bullet was the vaccine for some people the silver bullet was lockdown some people masks is is masks some people was don't do any of the above mm -hmm. um you if know, I get it, I get it. Yeah, get on, a yeah, lot of those. Get on with life as usual. <clears throat> um, the silver bullet of herd immunity. Mm. You know, um, uh, we noticed that the silver bullet of lockdown and isolation that New Zealand took looked like mm -hmm. did them a lot of good early on. You know, in the pandemic, yeah. and and Australia as well. Um, and then, of course, um, we noticed it wasn't a silver bullet simply because it's now the virus is now kind of running sure. through both countries and and funny enough in some ways new zealand i think was thinking it had gone away or it wasn't as bad as yeah. it was because for some reason they seemed to be ill prepared when it 
finally did break yeah. through. And, so and again, he's a very strong psychological um, uh, kind of movements in people around denial and around rationalization. That's still going. And that's still going. But, and then also still the dichotomies that are going, you know, that got people um, fighting and, um, you know, buying up guns and... It's the you know, apocalypse. You know, this is the apocalypse. And and in some ways, I mean, they're right. It's, this sure. is a really bad event. Yeah. Um, and, but, but I think what we haven't, we still almost in, in the trauma of those kinds of stages where yeah. we thinking in, even in South Africa, you know, we kind of thinking, okay, so we're not really hearing some bad cases anymore. Um, it seems to have died down a bit. Okay, so it must mm. be over. Um, but I'm very concerned that psychologically we try to put it out of our minds just because um, it's appropriate, uh, you know, in our part of our psychology is that we get tired of having things front of mind. And eventually yeah. we put them in the back of our mind. But it's still there. And, but it's still there. And so it doesn't bear a resemblance with the reality mm. of things because I, I remember i mean we, we did a start march 22 two years ago mm. and then for some reason we got to the end of that year and we were like level three whatever mm. you couldn't have a new year's because you had to be at home mm. but for some reason people thought okay january 1st mm. back to normal mm. okay didn't happen following mm. year now mm. back to normal and it mm. just it just keeps on yes going. and this is the i mean this is a human being's idea of you know, rationalizing, saying, sure. okay, well, the virus also knows it's that new the New Year's coming, <laughs> you know, and we're not, we don't realize, you know, what we're dealing with. We're dealing yeah. with nature. We need, we're not dealing with, we're dealing with something that's bigger than our egos. Mm. It always strikes me, I uh, remember reading, um, you know, soldiers' accounts during the First World War and the Second World War, yeah. and they would always say, oh, it's going to be over by Christmas, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. so that was always the measure, you yeah. know, there, Good and our that. measure has been, oh, you know, okay, it's not going to be like this next year. Mm. Um, but, you know, and it's still like this. We are still under some form of restriction. Yeah. Um, but we put it to the back of our mind. So COVID fatigue is it? Yeah, thing? yeah. COVID fatigue is, so COVID fatigue is that, you know, part of it is that we're tired of living the way that we Peace were living. And, sure. and, and then also that um, we've rationalized it so that we've built almost a... Um, an experience of the future, an experience of now where COVID doesn't exist. And but, so, so if something sits in the back of my mind, so I've, I've yeah. now, I'm, I'm happy that it exists, yeah. I've moved it back of my mind because I, yeah. I just can't anymore. What's the long-term effect of that? Though? So the long-term effect is, well, physiologically it might still exist and there might still be some actually really serious variants that are going to hit. Sure. And we don't quite know where and when. And, and so I think it's going to possibly medically trickle through for quite a long time where we have some outbreaks mm. um, but but what I, I feel is that we haven't quite lent into the change that maybe we needed to engage in meaning so so in some ways you know so one is um, political change so mm -hmm. the ability for um, politicians around the world to be able to make appropriate and good decisions um, for their constituents mm -hmm. um, and to have provided 
um, the appropriate resources for that to be mm -hmm. taken care of yeah. at any given moment. Um, you know, in, in very wealthy um, countries, we see that um, in many cases, the um, hospital system wasn't up to it. Mm -hmm. And they didn't, uh, they weren't able to, to build it quickly enough or effectively enough um, to perhaps stop some of the deaths. Sure. Um, and we also noticed that a lot of that is legacy, um, poor investment in healthcare systems. Yeah. In fact, in rich countries, it shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. You know, they should have been um, super able to deal with yeah. this. Uh, in in countries that are less wealthy, um, you know, I think they did perhaps adequate jobs, but also I haven't seen a continued push towards healthcare. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen a continued push for honest, open communication systems with the public. Mm -hmm. In fact, what I've seen is that governments sneakily under emergency legislation around the world have put through all kinds of bills um, that are probably going to infringe people's rights um, or, or, or aimed at infringing people's rights. It keeps, them, it keeps the power with them in a dramatic it, way and they can do what they exactly. want. Exactly. And, and I think, you know, in a pandemic, we don't notice it. Mm. We, not, we don't notice it because the media is not necessarily carrying that. We also don't notice it because we're so jolly scared that and you're we, caught up in your own mind, yeah, like, and, and we're my yeah. anxiety and where am I? Where, and as long as the government gives, you know, is, is working on a vaccine or yeah. working on something, I'm happy for them yeah. to put through. Even if it's smoke and mirrors. Yes, exactly. They're very busy. They're giving yeah. me numbers on the yeah. TV, so yeah. I'm good. I'm gonna just sit yeah. here and be depressed at home. Yeah. So I think it's only going to be in in a lot of hindsight where we see actually what went on with mm. government. Yeah. Um, I noticed that you know we had all of the uh, IT companies coming through with some version version of virtual communication mm -hmm. and that's fantastic yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think they're going to have to we need to go a little bit further mm. so we can have better presences yeah. with each other do, do you do you think so I mean the way this is communicated there's a lot I want to jump to but yeah. the way this was communicated in the past so and I've mentioned this once or twice in the podcast with someone else but in the past when I grew up and you grew up mm. there was communication I could yeah. sit around the table and talk to someone yes yeah and now, these days, everything's a tweet or whatever. Yeah. Elon Musk did, had an interesting conversation yeah. with someone. He said, initially, when I had to phone, I would phone you. Yes. We communicate pretty yes. fast. Then I started typing with 10 fingers because the tech got better. Yeah. And then the tech got even better, and I'm typing with two fingers. Yes. So the tech's going up, but our, our way of communicating going down. Down, yeah. Do you think that was a, a part of us as the public not feeling? Because oh, it's headline reading. Mm. It's a tweet here. There wasn't any depth to any of the, mm. of the as far as I, as I, as what mm. I um, experienced, there wasn't any depth to the communication about what was going on. Yeah. It was the headline. You got yeah. it with your mask. Yeah. Why? Just because. Yeah. Yeah. So that communication, yeah. thing, surely that must have been. A yeah. So the communication was a problem. So, so communication just generally to people was a big problem. And I think we saw these platforms develop, but, and these platforms, at least business felt, okay, well, this is going to save them. Yeah. It didn't seem to to result in a psychological relief for people. Yeah. So I noticed that, um, you know, whether we obviously texting and typing and sending voice messages is a very um, narrow way of communication. Sure. It's very simplified mm. compared to sitting with somebody and you can sure. actually feel their presence mm -hmm. and all our senses are engaged in, in engaging with that person. 
Um, and uh, there's lots of communication going on beyond which we can say. Mm -hmm. The moment we take it into uh, a more tech space, mm -hmm. a lot of that just gets wiped out. So in some ways, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of our humanness gets wiped out. Yeah. Um, because we really evolved as social beings connecting with each other literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, that's been an ongoing problem for quite some time. Sure. And then it became uh, very acute in the pandemic. Mm. And how do you do business? I mean, how do you run a court case? How do you run um, a judiciary? Mm. Um, how do you run yeah. a government? How do you run, yeah. you know, how does all this run without people? Um, normally able to engage with each other, sure. not being able to yeah. engage with each other face to face. Yeah, sure. um, I think we, we started to then become, feel a sense of safety around some of the platforms, the face to face, almost yeah. the visual platforms. That like Zoom, developed. Zoom. Like Zoom and that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Zoom went up and then yeah. Microsoft Teams caught up and, yeah. um, you know, in all of the other platforms. And, um, it felt like a solution, but then we started to notice that we that it's very, very tiring for us to be on these virtual platforms. Sure. Very tiring, very fatiguing. We're not getting a sense of the presence yeah. of the other. It, it didn't feel real to me because we, we, I mean, from travel, we went into not travel and just yes. Zoom meetings. Yes. And I think you might have said to me way back, but it was like, it's just two dimensional. It's just this. Yeah. Just go out, walk around, and just because yeah. we are three dimensional beings. Yeah. Yeah. There's depth, and that wasn't yeah. there. No. That, no. that killed me. No, it just wasn't there. And that sense of, and I think that's that three dimensional space that perhaps I would call presence, like being right. present with somebody mm. or being present in nature. You know, when you look, when you look at a photograph or you look at a video of yes. a wildlife space, um, it's really nice. Sure. Um, but it's quite, like Mara on a photograph and mm. Mara. No. Being there is mm -hmm. a bit different. No. And and I think that's the real difference. Mm. And there's a psychological complexity with being 3D with somebody mm -hmm. um, that is very relieving mm. and appropriate for us as human beings. Is there safety in that? Yeah, there's safety. It's very familiar. This is this is how we've evolved. Mm -hmm. um, so our 60,000-year-old modern human brain is very comfortable with yeah. being on the Mara and very comfortable with being sitting in an armchair next to somebody, yes. but very, very uncomfortable with virtual tech. Mm -hmm. It, it tires us out. It tires our, um, yeah. neurological apparatus out. It sure. tires our soul out because mm -hmm. we can't feel like a soul connection. Yeah. And that's what I found the most significant psychologically is we tended to start to lose a soul connection with people and a soul connection almost with our own sense of existence in the world. Yeah. Is that, is that why you think people started questioning purpose and why am I here? Because yeah. the amount of people that change jobs yeah. or just yeah. in, in America just quit jobs. I'm yeah. just not fucking working yeah. anymore. Yeah. So it's because of that. Yeah, it's because of that. I do think some of it's been a wake-up call for people and realizing actually what they were doing perhaps within a business environment they didn't, um, like. They didn't like. and they, Mortality? Yes, yeah. And, and mm. it kind of brought it to the fore. Um, you know, with all the nice um, sort of office spaces that mm. are meant to cajole us into feeling good and safe <laughs> and all of those things, um, you know, we didn't have them anymore. Um, and then work didn't make that much sense anymore mm. in some way. Um, you know, so, but I think, you know, we, we started to notice little bit by little bit, we started to notice our souls being deprived, our souls 
moving into a space of death mm -hmm. and to a space of loss. Um, so grieving. Yeah, grieving because, and literally some people had, you know, people that had died sure. and Jeff definitely in South Africa during the third wave, mm. there wasn't somebody who didn't know somebody who died. Yeah. You know. Very much so, yeah. Um, and, and so in the first wave, I noticed people were acutely aware of where somebody might have died and there was lots of empathy mm. and lots of engagement. By the third wave, I noticed that empathy levels had dropped for people having lost somebody to COVID. Mm -hmm. And a really nasty thing had started to happen, which was almost, if it happened to them, it must be their fault somehow. Oh, wow. So this so is... blame, Kenny. Yeah, so this is a negative, it's a wrong attribution that we, under stress and um, difficulty that we... We, uh, in terms of how we make sense of the world, that if we're very stressed and something's very scary, if it happens to another person, yeah. it's it's helpful to us to think that it's their fault. They deserved it. Yes. If it happens to me, it's helpful for me to think it was out of my control. Sure. Okay. It was out of circumstances that resulted in this. So even on small scale, that's yeah. interesting, but now this thing is just supersized. Yeah. Because it was yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So, so what was happening, so we... We noticed a, a loss of I noticed a loss of compassion. I also noticed blame, and also people continuously trying to feel safe. And the one method is obviously denial. The other mm. one is rationalization. But the other one is this false attribution where, um, because I'm not somebody else, I'm safe. Gee, Simply was, because that yeah. the people that are dying, obviously it's their fault, and it might be their fault because they've got comorbidities. Yeah. And actually, they shouldn't have eaten so much. Um, they shouldn't have the the weight that they've yeah. got. They shouldn't have the diabetes they've got. It's confirmation bias, though. You're looking yes, for exactly. it. Yes, exactly. You're looking for it. And and so there's some very nasty uh, aspects of human character that came out of the woodwork. Mm. Um, and a lot of shadowy spaces mm. where we were using these kinds of mechanisms to try and cope yeah um thinking okay well it again it happens to other people and it happens to them because it's their fault yeah and um it's uh, not going to happen to me because i've managed to get a vaccine or you know i'm actually i'm thin and fit sure and then of course the big surprise but people didn't notice it is that thin and fit people were also dying yeah but that didn't that didn't didn't support the narrative. No, it didn't support the narrative and didn't support the confirmation bias mm -hmm. and, and all of those yeah. kinds of things. So this unlocked like a pan. So the pandemic really unlocked a Pandora box around um, human character. Um, the one is to start off feeling compassionate and uh, as if we were a team at and the beginning of it. Yeah, and we're dealing with something. Then to start this dichotomization mm. around around them and us, and that starts because of. Uh, denial and rationalization and then there were these false attributions around well actually i'm going to be fine because i'm not you um so initially we all against COVID because that's the bad guy yeah and the further it progresses it's like now it's not against it it's yeah. against yeah. this yeah and all the time little bit by little bit um it feels as if our soul and meaning is slipping away mm. and so often when that happens we we go to more extreme um, rationalizations and false attributions. 
and this is what feels to me hasn't been properly engaged in is mm. what does it mean what has coming through the pandemic and living through the pandemic what does it mean to be human yeah what imagination do we need to do we need to have to live differently and and having lived through this mm. what do we need to um do with our lives and invent for our lives moving forward how does and it's every everything from how does how do imaginatively we need to think of relationships with governments to their people mm. how imaginatively do we need to think about the relationship of medicine to patients how imaginatively do we need to think of um of how business is conducted and what that's about um and um and i'm not seeing too many of those imaginal changes are we still trying to use the same tools as before the co yeah. the covid the pandemic yeah. to try and fix it now yeah because that's what we know yeah and we stuck in a way because what if it's not broken and fix it, it is broken yeah it is broken and i think nobody's really noticing that things have become really broken where do we start though so so we start with our imagination so we first actually first of all we start with noticing that something's broken mm. you know notice the you know businesses that have mandated vaccinations i mean those are the businesses that are saying actually we're trying to get back to something before before the pandemic because we don't want to try and work out how to do how this, this yeah how's this all going to work um what are the changes we need to make this um and i'm doing it in rands this couple of billion rand buildings that we've put up yes. in cbds you know, like, what are we going to do with that if there's nobody in the buildings? Mm. Um, um, and then a particularly South African business thing is how do we control our staff? Yeah. Because um, generally management doesn't have a great deal of um, feeling of trust around management of staff. Mm. Um, and, and are still not believing the stats that mm. happened that actually staff are really trustworthy. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and actually most of the companies where staff were off-site produced better results than than when they were in the office um so yeah. so so there's not people i notice businesses are not really engaging appropriately in data and in the change yeah. and in the imaginal change that we would expect from them yeah they just sort of um at most are licking wounds trying to put up um fire breaks Mm -hmm. so that this can't happen again um but i can't hear that much reinvention and that much imagination mm -hmm. no. um and and yet and 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 yet that's what we sitting with is a sense of soullessness mm. a soulless malaise yeah. of what's next for our lives what yeah. do we do next what do how do we make meaning of it yeah. and that's actually seems to be the big question that the pandemic has asked yeah as as a human being um and has as an as an part of an ego that has been that has taken a massive body blow mm -hmm. from nature yeah. um, with the pandemic how would we engage and interact with nature with with ourselves in the world and in nature in a more imaginative way mm -hmm. um, it, it, is it almost like where do we fit in now because yeah. what's happened is so I mean, my, my guys at, at wild eye we they would travel 150 to 80, 180 days a year yeah and they lived for it yeah then pandemic happened they didn't now they become office workers for mm. a while so mm. they would work at home first and then we'll do a lot of zooms and mm. then you would get them to the office mm. and speaking to them 
and I think this might be extrapolated out, is they didn't quite feel comfortable at the office or at home. No. It's like, it, where do I fit in? Yeah. And then you start thinking, okay, maybe am I doing the right thing? Mm. But I'm not traveling. And then when these guys who used to travel so much, like mm. Johan, he was on the podcast a couple of episodes ago, mm. um, one of the most chill people I've met in my life ever, great mm. guy, he suddenly had all the anxiety because he's traveling again, something he used mm. to like. Mm. Everything's upside down. Mm. Mm. No, exactly. And people don't know where they are. And I think, um, you know, that feeling, and I noticed a lot of social anxiety in people coming back into the workspace. Mm. They, they often ask me, so what am I going to speak to my um, colleagues about? You know, because I'm sitting in the office now. Sure. Um, and that to them is quite mysterious, but it wasn't so long ago that they were in the office with their colleagues. 100%. You know, so it's resulted in quite a lot of social anxiety for us. We feel incompetent or anxious mm. about connecting. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I think what the pandemic has done is it's created a background voice of other human beings are dangerous. Is it, there's that trust thing. Yeah. I, I said to Adele once, if, if this was a zombie apocalypse, I would know who to kill. Yes. Because I go into the store initially, yes. and you kind of don't come close, and everyone's eyeballing each other. Yes, it's yeah, like, okay. yeah, yeah, and, um, yeah. And you, if it was the apocalypse, you'd see somebody walking around a bit strange. Yeah, you know, a dead leg yeah, or something. Yeah, I kill yeah, you. I know yeah, you. Yeah. But it, it's that. It's that. So, I mean, and we can't carry on as society with this small little, even if it's small, bit of trust. Because yeah. at our office, we don't wear masks in the office yeah. because everybody's tested and clean yeah. and blah, 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 blah. But then I've got to walk from here to the bathroom. Yeah. Then I walk and I forget my mask. Yeah. And then you get looks from people and they don't trust you. And I'm thinking, oh, well, yeah. what's your problem? It's, just, it's nasty. Yeah. yeah. Nasty. There's two organizations that are clients of mine that I came across that have started to throw the imagination behind this. The one is, in, is a London-based architectural firm. Okay. And they were quite interesting because as this started to happen, part of they, they split between London and... Uh, uh, the Caribbean okay. islands and um, they do a lot of developments in the Caribbean and uh, they always battled um, in some ways with staffing some of their London office right. because obviously um, you kind of want great architects mm. um, but not all of them want to live in London and, and also London rents are really exorbitant what they could do now because of the pandemic and they started to decentralize so okay. so they sort of abandoned their london offices and they decentralized quite quickly mm -hmm. and really upped um all kinds of collaborative yeah. architectural software okay um and uh and they now found that they could pull in architects mm. all over from all over the UK and the continent. I yeah. mean, these really, really great designers, um, and they now could be part of their their team. Nice. Could now yeah. could be part of the firm. Um, whereas before, you know, that makes this person an offer. Well, he's not going to live. He's yeah. got to move from the south of England and on the coast to London. Yeah. To, so the talent you know, just jumped. Yeah. So they just got into, um, you know, into a really great space around being able to sort of source talent. And then what they did is it actually um, broke down the separation between their, in their Caribbean offices and their London offices. Yeah. And they even said to the guys, you know, um, do you guys even want to be in the UK or the continent? You know, we've also got some offices in the Caribbean. Don't you want to go there? You know, so, uh, yeah. so you know, and, <laughs> and to obviously that's, you know, for many people that was yeah. like, that was a great choice. 
Um, and they did this as they came out of heavy lockdown. Yeah, as they came. Yeah, as they came out came out of heavy lockdown, they started to do this. Obviously, when people could start traveling, but but the the reimagining was actually we can we can do this in a way that's quite you know I mean it's interesting coming from a you know company that whose IP is design sure. you know, and novel design. Yeah. I mean they redesigned things yeah. and. Um, when the heavy lockdown stopped, I mean, they started meeting as, as two partners or small groups, wherever they were, yeah. but face to face, and then they would go on to virtual meetings with some of their Caribbean um, partners and clients. Value in that face to face. Yeah. So 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 what they started to do was to really um, um, melt um, the the virtual verse and face to face together. Yeah. And allow very very complex um, engagement um, across partners right. and associates in the firm. Sure. Um, so that was the one company that I feel like they lent into it, sure. and um, and they've reimagined their business quite substantially. The other company is a NGO company in South Africa. Yeah. Um, and again, in hard lockdown, they abandoned their offices. They actually. Sure stopped renting them they oh they like closed down they closed down gone and then they said to to people okay we only working virtually yeah as the hard lockdowns began to recede they said you know obviously you can work wherever you are and um uh they had some people traveling to um, their families in the uk and working from there mm -hmm. some a lot of people traveled down to different parts of the country some people went to cape remote. town or remote and then we noticed that there started to be sort of a coagulation of small groups of people sure, sure, in sure. certain centers yeah and again what happened like the architectural firm um these small groups of people um would get together and they'd have a lunch together and discuss some of the stuff and they'd be on a virtual call yeah with some of the groups in london and and the company is running like that. It's a, it's a, because creativity, I mean, coming from a creative side as well, creativity cannot work in an echo chamber. No. And suddenly you no. throw that out. Yeah. And it's just strange to me how many companies, I'm talking about my industry, mm. everything. It just, no, 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 this is how mm. it's always, we've got to stick mm. to this. Mm. Stick to this. How, how long can this current, what do we call this? Mood. Mm. Psychological state last for us. Because... Mm. I'm speaking to, and whether it's some of my coaching clients or just people mm. who want to travel, mm. people are, and, and certain countries, the Americans specifically, I find, are still quite drawn back yes, out of yes, certain yes, states. Yeah. But to some people, still feel like there's no end. Yeah, it does still feel like there is no end. So what do you, I mean, do we hope? Do we, do we adjust? Do you kind of start yeah. working on that this is the new normal? Well, I think this is where the imaginal solutions mm. come up with we've bargained that there was going to be an end to this and that we'd mm. return to normality. We'd return to 2019, mm. you know, and it's almost like saying, <coughs> you know, um, okay, the second world war is finished. Mm. Um, okay. So we, we must have returned to 1930, yeah. 34, eight, you know? nine years. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, no, that was never going to happen. The face of Europe sure, has no, changed. Done. So I think we're still not noticing that the face of the world has changed mm -hmm. um, and not enough people are, are thinking about it imaginatively. And it does start with at an individual level of imaginatively, if this isn't going to end, if I can't see an end to this, mm -hmm. how 
am I going to live my life with meaning now? Sure. So, so it's actually put us back to a question that is quite fundamental, but that we mostly try and put sort of in a little box and not don't ask it that no. often. Um, but how, what am I going to do with my life now? What, how do I, how am I going to imaginatively and meaningfully live it? That must be scary for some people, though. Yeah, no, definitely, because we used to um, follow these rules, and then your life will be meaningful. Um, Everything that people had planned, yeah, up until that point, yeah. when you went to university, I'm going to change job and work for another fifteen. Everything just yeah gone, gone. And I, I don't know if this is fair to say, but it doesn't feel to me. And this is in the circles I've been talking to friends, mates, colleagues, yeah. clients, whatever. It feels like, and again, even just before I say this, it feels like the majority of people weren't psychologically prepared to deal with this, and they still aren't. No, they're not. And I think people are still caught in lots of loss. Huge. And loss of what was in Lifetime, 2019. People. Yeah, all of those things. And w when we're still caught in those dark spaces of loss, it's very difficult to think imaginatively. Mm. Um, but it feels, you know, with with all kinds of rationalization that oh it must have ended or it is going to end or we must just move on mm. we've got to somehow finish or move through the loss yeah. and ask what does that mean for where we want to be in the future and as how, individuals as individuals as a, person, yeah. as a human person how do i want to live my life now having come through yeah the, the pandemic yeah. and it's it's it actually starts at that individual level. But isn't there, isn't there a problem now? Because, so, so how long has COVID now? Two years. Yeah, two years, two years right? yeah. So, everything was coming down. Then we had Delta. Then it was Omicron and it started coming down. Mm. Then Putin decides to be a dick. Yes. He bombs Russia. Yeah, so if so we... Now nobody's talking about COVID. No. There's no, fun, there's no closure no, as such. No. So, so, Putin feels to me almost again a similar state that we encountered in the pandemic. I mean, we had... Uh, we had nature take us on. Mm -hmm. um, we are still putting off that nature is taking us on around climate change. Yeah. And we're not noticing it. Sure. Um, or paying attention to it. Um, and now there's another reminder um, around the war in Ukraine mm. that actually their forces beyond our control that actually might take us out again. And this is on top of us not having yeah. dealt with COVID. COVID, yeah. Suddenly the news, yeah. that first two, three weeks of Ukraine, and nobody gave a yeah. shit. No. Like, what the... Yeah. And people are like, okay, but I still have to get my booster, so no, do I yeah. still have to? Yes. It's yeah. very confusing. Very confusing. So it does seem to me like event upon event, and, it's, and psychologically we often ask, particularly in a more psychodynamic area, that if there's this event and event, why aren't we paying attention? Why are we not paying attention? What are we not paying attention to? Why, why, as in, why does it keep happening? Yeah, so what do, why does this have to keep on reminding us? Why why mm. are we having these such big sure. encounters? What do, what are we not, how are we not finding our way through this? Mm -hmm. How are we not, um, why are we not changing something? Why are we right. not reimagining how things can be a little bit different? Um, sort of two-thirds of the way through um, the pandemic, um, one of the Harvard professors, business school professors, put out a, uh, a, pub, a, a, um, a journal article saying, why are not, and, and he was 
speaking a bit about the world but mostly American business why are not American business businesses seeing mm -hmm. that things are never going to be the same sure. and and I thought that was you know really interesting because psychologically yeah. um, we were asking the same question why are people not understanding that things are not going to be the same because we as businesses and people can't go on with the psychological yeah what's the word I'm looking for yeah. Pardon me. I mean, yeah. struggle in our heads about yeah. where, what it is and what I want it to be because yeah. that's what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. And I think the businesses, the businesses, the people, the countries, the individuals that work out mm. imaginative solutions coming out of these extinction events mm. are going to be the ones that evolve and flourish. The ones that are able to find yeah. and develop a sense of meaning. Yeah. Um, did, mm. Random change quickly. Did during pandemic, I'm just thinking coping mechanisms. So, do, um, I've heard from friends and colleagues and stuff mm. what they did to try and get through. Yeah. It. Some people started training, others stopped training. Some just watched TV. <laughs> some started <laughs> drinking heavily. Some didn't. Whatever. Yes. And the last, the last while, and this is just curious to me because maybe the last six weeks, I've had a lot of people, clients, friends. I'm, I'm, I'm done with alcohol. Yes. But. It doesn't, it, it doesn't seem like it fits the bigger narrative because with all the stress, people dove into drugs and yes, alcohol yeah. and stuff. No, they needed, now, they needed meds. 100%. And yeah. now suddenly there's a lot of them saying, hey, now I'm done. Yeah. Is, it a, is it a result of that? Is it overcompensating? Yeah. It might be a result, I think, of overcompensating and um, noticing that it's not served them. Those meds haven't served them that well. Mm. I mean, I did notice some of the coping, <laughs> as you said, the exercise. In Melville, there was a one of the properties that I would pass in the car and it had a garage on either side of the property. Okay. And um, obviously at certain times of the day, this individual would open both garage doors. Yeah. And, and then he would, you'd see him jogging out the one garage door and <laughs> onto the pavement into the other garage door oh, and yeah. he'd obviously circle his property. Yeah. And then come back and jog outside that garage door and go around. Oh, so shit. he would be, he would be circling his property. He's got to do a lot of laps. Yeah, it's got a, it's a lot of laps. And, um, you know, and I'm kind of wondering if there would be a new style of um, kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, we you know we've developed trail running now. This is yeah. sort of like property running. Property running. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> it's a new, make, make some money off it. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, definitely the coping mechanism started to, um, you know, um, you know, recreational drugs, mm. um, alcohol. Um, medication, surely. You know, medication, definitely psych medication went up. And it's so interesting that, you know, in 2019, if you wanted to see a psychiatrist, you mm -hmm. could probably see them in about a week and a half. Yeah. Um, now, you're probably lucky to see them in three months' time. So we can see how um, busy yeah. that space Did, has I mean, been. From your point of view, from before COVID kind of through to now, mm -hmm. at what stage was there... Uh, uh, an increase in people wanting to talk to you or to talk mm. to someone like you because yeah, it was about kind of halfway through then the shit hit the fan yeah I think it was I mean obviously it had upped slowly but surely um, during the first year of the pandemic mm. and then as you said as the new year approached yeah and <laughs> and it was still going on in exactly the same way then then in fact okay. um, moods really dropped yeah. out the bottom mm. Uh, but, um, you know, so, so we saw, a ma I saw a massive increase at that stage and yeah. it's, and the people just felt a tremendous sense of loss, yeah. um, at that time and the restrictions of movement, yeah. you know, and, and it, 
and definitely, you know, even at some of the lockdown stages, my clients would get angry with the birds. Wait, what? Would, <laughs> angry with so, the birds? Angry with the birds, because they'd sit in their property, you know, and they'd, um, they'd watch the birds fly over, and the birds can do what they like, <laughs> and they can go where they like. And they would get quite angry at how the birds. They? You know, how dare the birds actually move around <laughs> us. And, and of course, human beings with our big egos, we're supposed to be able to do and move. Yeah. The way that we and there's the whole nature thing. Nature's keeping me in, and nature's yeah. throwing it in my face. Yeah, like there it yeah. goes. It's like bizarre. Yeah, but I noticed the people that survived and the the ways, um, you know, the way they survived and actually uh, managed to compensate psychologically. The people that started to cultivate habits that took them into meaning and depth, like so, for example, so so gardening. Yeah. So people started, and obviously lockdown, you couldn't always get go to a garden shop. Mm -hmm. But people started digging in their gardens for the first time. Uh, people started tending to the plants. Even mm -hmm. people in apartments sure. started to grow herbs and attend to pot plants. We did a bit of that. Yeah. Sure. Um, I notice um, people attending to fish tanks yeah. and... Um, birds and animals mm. and uh, domestic animals. Um, I noticed people putting bird seed out for birds, uh, creating a very a much more complex home environment, mm -hmm. and and feeling like this was quite good for their soul almost. Yeah. Um, people started uh, um, delving a little bit differently into their lives, like reading a book that they'd never read sure. or. You know, listening to a podcast that they never listened to, yeah. or starting to think about um, things that they've wanted to learn or wanted mm -hmm. to um, do in their life, and it, yeah, exactly, yeah. and never got down mm -hmm. to it. Do you, do you think that still applies now? Now that we've gotten to this stage, yeah. where we, okay, Russia, there's this, there's COVID, whatever. Do you mm -hmm. think those those coping mechanisms will still work? I'm hoping they'll still apply because these are things that are good for our soul. Just by default. Just by default is to find meaning in small things, to find um, our lives interesting and attractive and full of imagination. Mm. Um, to take, to go on a simple walk um, without having to prove a point or to get a better time. Yeah, not aimed at getting yeah, something. But you just notice um, the flowers that are growing out of your neighbor's fence or the bird that's actually sitting mm. in the tree. I mean, these are very valuable spaces sure. um, for people. I'm not convinced. I'm, I, I'm sort of on the fence about it continuing or not continuing. I'm hearing quite a lot of people still doing and engaging in those small things. Um, however, I, I have heard, you know, a starting to move back to these heroic spaces mm -hmm. of, you know, I'm going to conquer the world and I'm, um, I'm not necessarily going to find meaning in it. Um, so sure. starting to go back to what they did before. Um, but the rules have changed. You can't play the same game. No, you can't. The and rules have changed. Yeah. And so that worries me psychologically is that it does feel like this was uh, an extinction event. Mm. We're busy we in this, an extinction event anyway in terms of climate change. Sure. You know, and the jury's out. We don't know. I mean, yeah. a number of scientists that... I speak to that some of them are my clients. Yeah, they say it's game over. You know. Oh really? Um, and so you know, <laughs> and I'm and I'm kind of wondering. Okay, so you know these movies and these series that you see around the apocalypse and will 
you know, we've mm. got a weekend left or, sure, yeah. you know, before the meteor hits or we've got, you know, a year left or something like that. I mean, it really calls out of us something to do with mm. the rest of the life that we've got, whether it's the day or the week or, yeah. you know, the year. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm hearing it faltering a little bit at the moment yeah. in terms of people's response to, mm. you know, extinction events like like yeah, COVID, like climate change, like nuclear holocaust. Sure. You know. It's a lot I just think, and I was speaking to someone a little while ago, when was the last time, and we might have spoken, mm. that a real good comedy was made? Yeah. Because we've, we need to start mm. laughing at stuff, I, yeah. I think. No, exactly. And the Laughter is a really important part of being a human. But now, but now, we've got all these negative things, right, which is, but still, I think we should be able to laugh at some of it. Yeah. With respect. Yeah. But then there's this cancel culture that if you laugh at something, you're going to offend someone, so we don't do that. So suddenly, this one tool that we have, this mm. beautiful thing of laughter and joking and, yeah. and togetherness, yeah. that's just suddenly almost off the table. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it just don't feel... We, my mates and I at office work, we banter a lot. Yeah. And I'm sure we cross lines. Yeah. Which, but it's never meant in that way. No. But it does feel like the tool of laughter is not yeah. there. No, we, we need it because laughter helps us get a different sense of perspective on things. Mm. Um, and it's also <coughs> really wonderful. I mean, uh, you know, you notice little children laugh and they laugh, their whole body laughs. Like for real. Yeah. yeah. And, and when we watch them, you know, I mean, it's just wonderful to watch and we start laughing, mm-hmm. um, you know, and what kind of yeah. cracks them up. Um, but, uh, I mean, you're right, in that malaise that we sit with, um, it's almost like laughter and fun and humor has, in some ways, has been extinguished. Mm-hmm. But it it's very helpful for us to get together and banter and laugh and for that to take us into a different perspective on life Mm. where we can start to think differently and be more imaginative Mm. about our lives. Would that be something, because a lot of people still, and and again, speaking to people, clients, whatever, Mm. there's still such a, and whether it's a depressed mood, whether it's a negative mood, whether it's fueled by anxiety, but there's the thing where people feel they can't do anything. Mm. I can't can't even plan a trip. I just don't want to get up in the morning. I hate my job. Mm. Everything is just Mm. bad. Mm. How, how do you flip that switch just mm. to what is the mm. catalyst for someone mm. just ugh. so what you have to say is okay so what can't what can i do mm. you know but they're even scared to ask the questions yeah no no they there's a because we do default to the actual we should be able to do yeah and and i think you know the ego of often says you know i should be able to do this i mm. should be able to do that yeah um you know but often our soul will be so, oh, but you can do this, mm. you know. Um, and, and I think it's to notice the difference between those two. I noticed um, clients of mine that, have, uh, that were very wealthy. I mean, they battled a lot in some sense because they felt, well, my money should be able to take restrictions away. Mm-hmm. And eventually it didn't. Yeah. You know, I mean, they couldn't get onto a plane yeah. um, um, and fly out no matter what they were prepared to pay sure. for that at some stage they could yeah um but you know that feels to me and so what they had to do was to actually kind of kind of buckle down and decide well in terms of what they have mm. what is it that they can do and so it started um asking them to go deeper rather mm. than higher and wider yeah um and for most people i think that was true is the um, 
well, what is it? Okay, we can't do this. We'd love to be able to do that, but mm. we can't do it. So then what is it that we are able to do? Yeah. And I think to, um, you know, to ask that question a lot, how can my life deepen? Yeah. How can I be more Instead deeply? More, yeah. Do something. Yeah. How can I be more deeply involved in life? Yeah. And I mean, we see that that's really the principle of often of like monastic orders around the world, no mm. matter what religion. Sure. Um, you know, well, what are they all doing staying in this um, institution um, bec- yeah. with lots of limits on them? And yet we do see that the whole point of that is to go deep. Mm-hmm. The whole point of that is to deepen. Yeah. And so that does seem to me um, something that we can learn yeah. is how do we deepen. So a relationship with a friend, how do I deepen that engagement with that friend? Yeah. To the point that we laugh out loud with each other, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm going deeper. For someone, let's say someone's, I don't know, mid fifties, lady living mm. on her own, mm. um, two cats, she's got kids living mm. elsewhere. Whatever the case is, deepening any aspect will have value. Yeah. Like go deeper on your cats. Yeah, go deeper. A- on as a simplistic. Thing. Yeah, go deeper on your cats and go and visit your neighbour. Yeah. Um, and mm. you know that definitely in South Africa we don't often know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, go and bake something and take it to a neighbor. Just something new. Um, yeah, go and, you know, invite your la- neighbor for tea. Go mm-hmm. invite a few people down the road yeah. for tea. Uh, knock on doors. Sure. Um, and, and it's risky, um, but it's... Risky as in it's going to tap into my social anxiety. Yeah, you know, like what happens, like I'm very private, what happens... Oh, okay. You know, if I do that, um, or I'm actually quite scared of rejection. So, you know, what if they don't want to come for tea? Those, oh man, it's it's all the same feelings that keep on popping up. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then we find that, you know, we touch somebody and and then we laugh. Mm. You know, and, and, but we we have to risk and we have to um, decide now. It's almost like meaning can't be given to us. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of psychologically it's felt over at least the last 50 years or even more that, um, you know, through entertainment and excitement, you know, that can mm. that can keep us busy. Yeah. But it's like an opiate that puts us to sleep. Sure. And we've almost forgotten how to attend to these deep parts of our yeah. lives and the connection yeah. with others. A doctor said to... to what is it to tell to someone she's prescribing fun mm, now mm. that sounds so odd like a prescribed yes, fun yes, yes, it but there's something there no, it is and I think intriguing. we spoke in the week about having yeah. the structure and the spontaneity I think and from what I'm seeing with just staff and friends mm. is mm. everyone has structure I'm going to train this time mm. but that spontaneity is gone yeah, yeah. And I don't know, are people scared or yeah. they just don't know how anymore but yeah, that's I think missing both. dramatically yeah, I think both you know, that, yeah, that, yeah, they, there is that kind of social fear now and um, and people are are spending less time cultivating friendships now we mm. think it would be more you know coming out of the pandemic yeah, go and see people yeah but um, and maybe it's moving to how do we cultivate a friendship rather than just be entertained by a friendship mm-hmm. and I'm hoping maybe that's yeah, some sure. of what is well, just moving with, with all of the social distancing and masks and stuff because 
I know <laughs> that I would go to the store with my mask on, mm. and when someone speaks to me, I'll yeah. pull it down because then I can hear them better. Yes, yes. Right? But it, it's obviously to do with facial features and emotions. We, mm. What's happened to the children? Because there are kids, young kids. Mm. How old are you boys? Mm. They, yes, they're three and a half. They and almost I mean, lived their entire life knowing people like this. Yeah, no, they've never, they've never encountered a social world out there other than their family without masks. Yes. So what does that do? Long so, and that's really interesting. And I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um, obviously, for them, it's quite natural to mm. sanitize their hands. Sure. You know, so they'll go, they know what those bottles are at the yeah. entrances of stores. I had no and idea when I was like 15, I wouldn't know what that was. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, so, you know, and they'll go up to those bottles at the entrance of a store and they'll put out their hands and they'll spray it. And, mm. and I mean, at three and a half, they've sanitized their hands. Um, a very interesting thing happened other day is you know now because restrictions in south africa have been lifted a little bit around mm. masks in the outside um when um uh we went to the park with them yeah. um we myself and my wife would normally be wearing masks we didn't wear masks yeah. and both of them went back into the car and got our masks out of the place in the car we keep it and gave them to us oh wow and i thought Okay, so this That's is this is actually how it's influenced them is that That's they think world. this is a part of dress. So I'm not sure. Do they have to wear masks at school when they go? No, 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 they don't. Only the teachers had to okay. wear masks. Um, so thank goodness, you know, with family obviously and and kids at school, um, they didn't. So they could have got those emotional expressions yeah. but I think from adults I'm worried you know I don't know what will be the consequences of them at you know for two years a very formative age yeah. and emotional growth stage for them to have encountered adults where they can't see a lot of the emotional features mm. so you know sure. I think we, there's going to be some interesting things and to come yeah. and some interesting research oh, that's going to come out of it. 20, 25 years from now when the, when the people learn about COVID and yeah. they're going to say, Yo, they, they managed, yeah. well, they just fucked that up. Yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah, yeah. Because I'm in hindsight, but still, no, it, exactly. just doesn't, it just doesn't feel like there's direction. Yeah. And I think maybe directionless for people, businesses, life. It's just mm. where to go. Mm. And mm. it's, and I mean, for, personally, I've been able to, with you and Adele, everybody find nice, and suddenly when you feel it again, you feel, okay, this mm. actually feels fucking good. Yes, This is it amazing. Does. Yeah. And then you hear and see people and you want to say to them, it, try it, do it. But mm. the, the negative is just so deep. Yeah. And yeah. the trying to protect yourself is so deep. Yeah. That, yeah. I don't know, it's a tough thing. Yeah, it's, it's scary. We can't go back to what was. Mm -hmm. We are stuck with all kinds of fears and anxiety about the now. Mm. And, and so how are we going to get mm. through it? Yeah. So, you know, for for people starting to align themselves time to mm. think. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing, is that um, instead of throwing entertainment at a brain or escape at a brain around mm. substances, like to spend time just daydreaming mm. about um, your life and how life um, and how would you want to be in the world? Like, take the, like sit down and yeah. just take the leash off your mind. Yeah, it yeah, it's just exactly, it's taking the leash off. And that's yeah. so, you know, 
businesses have always pushed very focused mm. type of thinking and yeah. daydreaming. Would that be spontaneity? Yeah, and this is this is is not that it's spontaneity. It's spontaneous daydreaming. Mm. It's the kind of thing that happens in a classroom and a teacher says to a child, "No, stop daydreaming." Yeah. Well, now we want to say to everybody, "Please start daydream. daydreaming." Start daydreaming. <laughs> yeah. You know, start. Go sit down. Yeah. Go watch a bird, and then just. But I love that idea of just let the leash mm. off your head. You know? I, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's one of the exercises I do with some of my coaching clients where people don't like to be alone. Mm. So they go sit down for an hour or half an mm. hour initially and just do that. Take yes. the leash off and let them do their thing. Mm. But quite often, more often than not, I think, after the first 15, 20 minutes, it's all like the birds and it's happy yes. and I want to I wanna be Batman one day or whatever it might be. Mm. Then suddenly it goes to dark side. Mm. And somehow it ends up there every mm. single time. Mm. And then I mean, they, they write the things down, mm. burn the paper, because mm. whatever. It's like mm. a little exercise. But how do people manage that? So we've got to, so I think people... Is daydreaming an active thing? I'm going to sit yeah, now, daydreaming. and I'm going to think about well, X, no, or do I so, just sit in zone? So daydreaming can, you know, we can bring about it in a whole lot of ways. Mm. You know, we can sit under a tree, and we can look at children playing in the park. Yeah. We can, and, and our thoughts are off the leash, and they yeah. just go... And we notice, oh, we've been doing an hour of that and we've been in, into these kinds of places. Yeah. Um, and then we go away. We don't have to do anything with the daydreaming. Yeah. We almost just want to get our minds used to going to these mm. leash-off spaces. Yeah. Um, you can sit in a chair looking out a window and you can just be noticing your breath and you can be breathing mm. rhythmically. And then you can hold your breath for a couple of breaths mm -hmm. and then breathe again and you'll come backwards and forwards to your breath and then thoughts will start. Mm -hmm. um, you can be in a room or be outside and you can narrow your vision sure, sure. so that it becomes all fuzzy. Yeah. And then you can start to, Focusing on. to notice your periphery, yeah. the periphery vision and just see if you can stink stick with that mm. a little bit yeah. and noticing things in the periphery and right. not in your center of your sight and that just changes some of the brain waves like fiddling with the senses yeah what do I see yeah, now you, what do I hear now all yeah, of that. yeah yeah you're just fiddling with the yeah. senses a bit um, and you'll go into a daydreaming space mm. and you're not asking the daydream it doesn't it's have like to have a, an outcome no it's like a dream that you'd have at night it doesn't mm. You don't have to have this particular outer outcome that the ego wants. Yes, yes, yes. You know where the ego will the ego will feel all satisfied and plumped up, and that it's got a plan for action mm -hmm. for the next six months. Yeah. Um. You. It's much more like a meandering through possibilities. Sure. And often we start to encounter, you know, we encounter some nice space, and then we go into darkness. Mm. And it's, and it's really because in the daydreaming space, when we've let the leash mm. off, um, what we've repressed and what we've stopped paying attention to is gathered a sense of shadow. Yeah, shadow. Around work. it, yeah. yeah. And, um, and that's what we've hit. If we can stick with shadow and not feel like we have to either banish it mm -hmm. um, or, um, or get rid of it or, or try and end it, what happens is that we go through it mm -hmm. and we go through into another part it's scary as shit of for people to speak yes. to those voices yeah it, it is, is. The, the analogy i heard sometime i don't know what it was but 
it's again, I mean, it's when you go to bed at night, you turn the light off, you start laying around, and suddenly in the dark, you hear this little voice. Mm. Or you wake up at one o'clock in the morning mm. and, hey, Jerry, mm. how's it going? Yes. And normally we're like, uh uh-uh, uh, yeah. you take tablets and go through Yeah, it. yeah. And the idea of, I think you said going through it. Yeah. Is that like saying to the voices, come, pull up, pull up a yeah. chair, let's have a chat here? Yeah, you're going to you take the, the voices to coffee. Yeah. And or tequila, if necessary. Yes, or tequila. <laughs> or you say, you know, and particularly those early hour voices, and you say, and if they've woken you up, say, okay, well, I wonder what you want with me. Yeah. You know, so you, let me get out of bed. I'm going to sit with you. And, and bring it. I'm not going to just let them, let you talk in my head. I'm going to say, like, why did you wake me up? What, what, what is it that you want me to be awake for? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I need, to, I need to understand that more carefully. Yeah. Um, and so, so one often will get a response um, if you sit with this thing and say, well, why? Why do you keep asking me these mm-hmm. questions? Yeah. Why does it feel like you want me to be in a bad place? Sure. And yeah, and that could be—I mean—that could be something you did. I stole little Johnny's sandwich when I was five, yeah. and it's still there. Or yeah. I'm embarrassed, or something happened to me. I was a victim, mm. but I did. There, yeah. There's a lot of stuff yeah, there. Yeah, can be a whole lot of Do those things. Do you think? Because I've, I've been chatting to mm. one of my clients a lot about this, and so Kobe Bryant, mm. Black Mamba, was his mm. old, his shadow, dark side, mm. as such. Mm. Do you think there's power in it? Can people harness that? Yeah, it's, it's a sense of. Um, you know, that's often what we think of as depression. That if people have got enough heavy, dark, shadowy mm. space in themselves mm. and that we don't deal with it, then because it um, starts to form almost a majority of our life mm-hmm. um, and it's dark and it's heavy and it's got gravity, it starts to pull us down. Mm-hmm. And actually, I mean, that's depression. We yeah. go down Negative. With, with these things that... And life that we've cut away, that mm. we're not living, that um, experiences that we've kind of pushed into the cupboard under the stairs, sure. and um, but the but it is my life, and the scary space is that it's a dark kind of life, but there's always something in it that is my life, and we've got to we've got to kind of nudge, kind of sidle up mm. to it and have coffee with it until yeah. we hear. A revealing part from it. Sure, it's. I, I I said to my sister recently, so she had a couple of things that she had mm. to manage, and it's she was trying to suppress this happen and that, and they didn't want to talk about this mm. as kind of tennis balls under the water. Mm. We try and keep five of them underneath. You yes, can't. One can't. of them's going to pop, and when it pops, it's only oh shit, now it's here. Mm. Is there the idea of sitting down with that thing and owning it? Mm. And look, I understand, I'm simplifying, mm. but something yeah. happened to you owning yeah. it or whatever, yeah. it's, it's a hard thing. Yeah. But surely when you engage with those things, you start owning, yeah, I, I did steal little Johnny's yeah. sandwich. I yeah. was an idiot back yeah. then, but I've learned and I've got, yeah. like I'm owning that situation. Yeah, and it's even going deeper than that. So we notice that often there'll be, shame keeps us away from those spaces. That's huge, oh. So shame is a biggie. And if we start to say, okay, I'm going to allow that shame to be experienced, and I'm going to go through the shame, what is underneath the shame? Um, mm. and we don't know what that you know six-year-old who we might encounter then as the six-year-old mm-hmm. that stole Johnny's you know yeah um, whatever sandwich yeah sandwich <laughs> yeah um, but 
we start to find out what really went on with that six-year-old. And why he did that. And why he did it, because six-year-olds aren't out of the blue mean. Mm. There'll be some kind of reason, and we start to then uh, develop a sense of compassion for that six-year-old instead of shame. Yeah. So me, I would have more compassion You'd have for more my compassion six for the six-year-old, yeah. Me, and, then and it's not about getting rid of blame, but it's getting rid of the shame mm. and trying to understand and investigate and be mm. curious about that six-year-old. Yeah. You know, as a parent would be now. So, you know, kid comes back from school and teacher sends a note and says, oh, you know, you know, it's stole Johnny's sandwich. Yeah. Um, we can shame our child. We can say that was a bad thing to do. Mm. But neither of those activities have really tried to understand what went on and and what might have been going on in our own child's so the, head. So the answer, the question should always kind of be why. Why, yeah. Your why, why have I got such feelings of shame? What mm. is underneath that? Um, you know, shame is, is very much like a, a shell on a nut. Mm -hmm. There's something really interesting inside, but, got to get to but we've got to try and move <laughs> through that shame. Yeah. You know, and sometimes we need to do that with somebody mm. being with us and helping us. Or sometimes we just sit and we go there and have mm. coffee with that shame. Yeah until we start but it's trying to move through the shame mm. and out of beyond a space of morality or okay. or or simplistic morality whether a sandwich should or shouldn't have been stolen but trying to go much deeper into that and mm. find out with the six-year-old mm. the six-year-old self of mine what actually went on what was going on what was i feeling mm. what do i feel now about my six-year-old what would my six-year-old feel about me now mm -hmm. um you know, really being very curious about this yeah. relationship between myself and the six-year-old and yeah. what he was busy with. Could it be imaginative thinking, like you said about everything yeah. else? No, it's exactly. It's very imaginative. Yeah. And then we start to get a sense. And normally something will start, will click. Something will start, there'll be a sense-making. There will be, mm -hmm. okay, so this is what happened. Sure. Understanding. Um, and then suddenly I'm related and I've got the energy back from that six-year-old part of myself. Would that? I, I understand this yeah. is probably a wrong question, but would that make the vo the dark voices, the shadows, whatever, would make them calm down a bit? Well, then there wouldn't be. Because then you threw to it. There's yeah, nothing in between. we threw the shadow. We threw the shadow. Yeah. You know, so yeah. in that space, we mm. threw the shadow. Yeah. And that what it does is it delivers us warmth, connection, mm. um, energy, um, a sense of well-being. Yeah. A sense of um, um, th that we're more whole. Yes. Because there's another yeah. part of myself that I haven't had to leave under the that stairs. Is, that is back. I've got it back. I've got that six-year-old part back. Is is a lot of the? And I'm I'm thinking as I'm saying this is a lot of the 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 shadows and stuff because there could be I was a victim. I did something wrong. I did this. Yeah. I did that. Something happened yeah. to me. Something happened. Yeah. Shame is a big. It's a part big of thing. Almost all of them. Yeah. Shame is a very big. It's a it's a very big part that protects us almost. Per, it protects this injury. I mean, it, um, mm. you know, us from encountering this injury. But yeah. it's not a great protection. It's normally a. It's normally comes from a societal judgment. Shame comes from a, often a contextual judgment. And throw social media on top of this. Yeah, exactly. So Good we normally Lord. feel shame. Because we are ashamed of engaging with another. 
in yeah. this thing that we've done. I don't want them to know what I did, what happened yeah. to me, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So shame is often the tough nut that we're cracking is how are we supposed to be? How's our life mm. supposed to show up? Sure. How are we supposed to look? But when we touch that six year old and mm. we've managed to drop through the mm -hmm. supposed to's and shoulds, yeah. then we're encountering the six year old, ah, oh, mm -hmm. okay, you there. And it's not how you should be or supposed to be. Oh, yeah. I, I see you. Yeah. And and when we encounter, it's it's very similar to making a really good friend. Yeah. You know, if we get stuck on how friends should be, mm. or supposed to be, you know, then, oh, you know, they were five minutes late for our coffee and oh, yeah. I left. You know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Or, actually, they didn't phone me on the morning of my birthday sure. and you know that again, should have happened yeah like but if we get rid of how my friend should or suppose is supposed to be then we can maybe encounter who they are and then there's something quite wonderful that and happens. that comes back to being present with them rather than yeah. judging ahead of time exactly yeah do you last little just mm. thought social media in today's world because mm. i've always been big on social media this last week i've almost mm. done nothing and it's been mm. flipping amazing Mm. But right now it's only bad news. Mm -hmm. Literally, there's only bad news. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the right bad news because it's all nuggets. It's like doo -doo 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 -doo. Mm. the but good news there is, and it just seems fake. It's people mm. trying to mm. publicly overcompensate in order to monetize mm. it. Mm. Social media, no. So not. social media, social media. We know we know people who don't participate in social media actually, from a mental health perspective, are better off. In what way? So, so there's less anxiety. There's less depression. There's shame. Um, yeah, there's lots of shame. There's less. There's a more, a better sense that I belong to myself, and then. I'm me. That I then I belong because of what others think about me or how they react mm, to me. Mm. Um, I mean, it was interesting. A study was done um, where they asked people to. One group was asked to participate in social media. And another group um, was asked not to participate in social okay. media for a month. And um, before they went into the month, they were asked how do they um, think that it will affect them. Okay. And um, both groups said, well, participating, not participating, it will be a negative effect. Um, and then there's some, with some, some <laughs> psychometrics done okay. on them at that stage yeah. on how fulfilled and happy and and um, how they felt about their life um, and then after the month um, they were asked again you know how mm -hmm. did they feel the month went sure those in social media felt that they were actually really quite happy those that didn't get the social media yeah. felt that they were a little bit unhappier all right um, However, the psychometrics showed something quite different. Aha. Uh -huh. So perceptions, they, they yeah. thought they thought it would be. So that's what they thought they would be. Oh, wow. But however, the psychometrics showed a dramatic increase in a sense of um, a good feeling about oneself for the group that weren't on social sure. media. And, sure. And, <laughs> and, and rated, and for the group that was on social media, rated their actual um, psychometric test lower than and their self-rating sure, sure, sure. Um, of how they were, how they felt. It's amazing. I was, I was on a flight, I was saying to someone recently as well, I was on a flight going to Cape Town just before COVID. 
and I was sitting on the aisle on the right hand side of the plane on the aisle mm. two ahead on the left aisle mm. was a lady sitting as well mm. and there's no Wi-Fi it's a small plane mm. Cape Town yeah. she took out her phone three or four times and I could see what she's doing mm. she would open it open Instagram swipe as if it's going to refresh mm. close it put it down and she did that three or four times mm. so interesting it's habitual like, behavior but, but it, it was mm. seeing it like that it was shocking mm. and I mean, I've had people on, on when they travel with me sometimes will get back they'll post a picture a lion or a nipple or whatever mm. post it we go and have lunch five minutes later check if it hasn't got enough likes they delete it mm. it's it is so warped mm. and being off at the last while only using it once in a while yeah. it's phenomenal i'm more productive yeah more focused it is yeah it's just unbelievable and the bad news side of it can't anymore hey? yeah no exactly and i think that's the thing is that you know what seems to be important for human beings is um social accountability mm. and social connection one-on-one yeah and and yeah and and you know social media gets rid of some of that you are anonymous you're more anonymous and people Um, have opinions on things they shouldn't have opinions on so we tend to be more risky we tend to uh, um, exercise different kinds of personas and experiment whereas we wouldn't normally do Mm. that face to face very similar to what happens around um, road rage you know, that if you had these people without vehicles, they probably wouldn't get into such a rage with each other. Right, right, yeah. But they're now encapsulated in these vehicles that leave them feeling um, slightly disconnected from the world. Yeah. And definitely not connected to the driver of the other vehicle. And so they then start to act out in a depersonalized Mm. way towards that person. Is it also true from a road like that, exactly? Yeah. if you and I are sitting at the stop street next to each other, I'm not going to shout at you. Yeah. But if I'm going 140 on the highway, yes. because everything's quick, I'm going to react yes, quicker. Exactly. Everything's fired up. Yeah. And then I'm going to shout at you. You're going to shout at me. And then, you know, so we say things on social media that we just wouldn't say to somebody. Yeah, it's nice to us, say something if you, you know. can't get punched in the face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like brilliant. Yeah. yeah. You know, exactly. And I, I, so I think, you know, social media in some ways is a tool and mm. we can use it, I guess, for good or evil. 100%. You know? um, but um, I do I do think it um, is quite addictive um, for human beings and yeah. can take us away from the depth of something. Yeah. Um, and then also the depersonalization that happens is not great for us either. Yeah. And uh, um, and also anonymity is not great. Mm. And now assume we're all going to live in the metaverse. Yes. Yeah. And we we I, we can't because we live in a body. Yeah. You know. And but I think that's the other thing is that. Um, we can't live in our heads because we've got a body and yeah. we can't live um, in a rarefied form of our heads, which is social media because yeah. we've got a body yeah. um, and our body connects us to the earth. And we sometimes are reminded of it nicely yeah. through a pandemic. Yeah. Suddenly everything's and like, hello. Yeah. No, There's, I don't think you remember a movie called Wally. It's an animated thing. Yes, Wall-y, yes, like a robot. yes, yes. And these people in there, they're like big babies, and yes, they float around yes, on these lilo things, yes. and they just jack into the yeah. metaverse, or whatever. But they just like big and round, and all yeah. like baby-like figures, and yeah. that's scary. Yeah, scary. That's very scary stuff. And another movie we spoke of recently is where the drug of the time is is like memory. So they record. It was a Schwarzenegger movie mm. from way back, where they would record someone's experience and memory of whatever mm. it could be of kicking a ball playing soccer killing mm. someone raping someone doing all mm. these things and then you could go to these drug dealers you could buy the memory they jack you in mm. and you live that that 
and suddenly now where we're living today it's like oh hell this is mm. we kind of are moving it's very strange are moving to that and i think what always worries me is the is the algorithms of social media oh. so you know somebody so this isn't very very complex um uh neurological behavior between two individuals mm. that are sitting mm. opposite each other but it's it's been flattened out to an algorithm and they show you what they think you want to see yeah or what they yeah. tell you what you tell think you, what you, you want to see you know and, and it limits the ways that we can communicate and limits ways that we can share with each mm. other and limits um what is shared and yeah. you know and, and and the oversimplification of human beings is not great for us yeah psychologically my, my dad always used to say um there was an ancient chinese curse which which said something like May you live in interesting times. <laughs> yes, and, and it I, wasn't and such think, a... And I think we're there. But I think we're in interesting times, oh, yes. Crazy. Yeah. But Barry, listen, thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. Um, it's nice to We'll do this again sometimes. Maybe. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, yes, thanks time. so much. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.